Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Christian Fellowship. We are a family on a journey to become more like Christ, sharing His kingdom by expressing His love. We hope that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. So folks, I have some things to share with you this morning, following on from what I shared last week. Last week we spoke about raising the standard. Uh, this morning we've just shared in communion, which really is pegging the standard. It's Jesus. It's his life and his way of life. It's his love. Uh, it's who he is that led him to do what he did, to rend the heavens, to come down in the shape, in the form of a man, to and to die on a cross. It's, it's the standard of selflessness. It's the standard of agape love. And so if we're talking about raising the standard, I want to just do a brief recap on some of the things I shared last week, just to do to, to lay the foundation. And today we're actually going to look at some practical ways that you and I can raise the standard, the standard of Christ, the standard of his love in our own lives. So we first understand what the standard is, and then how is it that we can work that out and improve that and grow in that in our own lives. So key scripture I started with last week was Isaiah 59, 19. And it says, so shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west, and his glory from the rising of the sun. For when the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. And like I said, there's different opinions on where the comma in that sentence should be. In the New King James, it says, like a, when the enemy comes in like a flood, comma, the Lord shall raise up a standard against him. It gives the ideas of this idea of the powerful force of the enemy, but also the powerful force of, of God that raises up the standard against him. But if you look at the New Living Translation, for example, it says that when the enemy comes in, it speaks about the Lord then saying, for he will come like a raging flood tide driven by the breath of the Lord. It's the idea that even when the enemy comes in, the standard that God raises against him is like a flood. It washes him away. He's got no more leg to stand on. He's got no authority. He's got no power in the situation in the face of the person of the Holy Spirit, in the face of Jesus Christ. He is a defeated foe. And his his defeat is complete. And so when this enemy comes in, the standard is to raise up that standard, the standard of the spirit against him. And as much as I said, this verse is prophetically speaking about Jesus. It also applies just as much to you and I today. A people of God sent by God, driven by the breath or the spirit of the Lord to raise up the standard against the enemy. Uh, there's a there's a there's a verse I'm just reminded of. I think it's in one John where it says that the son of man was manifest to destroy the works of the enemy, to raise up a standard against him, the standard of who he is, which is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. So we looked at what a standard is last week. A standard is a measurement or an example. For example, a ruler or a measuring tape gives you the standard uh, measurements of, in our case, millimeters, centimeters, meters. A standard is constant. It doesn't change. A centimeter is a centimeter in the day when it's hot and the cold, whether it's nighttime, whether it's January or March, whether you know, you're black or you're white. A centimeter is a centimeter. It doesn't change. It is fixed. It is standard. And so likewise, Jesus is the same. Jesus is constant. He is not up one day and down the next. I'm really glad that God is not moody. I'm really glad that when I come to him in prayer today, he doesn't sometimes go, oh, Michael, oh, just, 
not today. I just don't know. I've been dealing with Ron all morning. I don't have, please no. I don't have time for this today. <laughs> God's not moody. He always loves me. He always delights in coming to me. And Jesus, likewise, he doesn't change. He's not up and down. He is righteousness. He is goodness. He is faithfulness. He is mercy. He is justice. Always. He is the standard. He does not change. There's an element about a mature believer where you know what you're going to get from him. I know very often some people don't want to ask me questions or they don't want to say things to me because they know what I'm going to say. I'll never forget years ago in the parking lot of the church, I had somebody come to me and say, Michael, I want to tell you something, but please don't tell Pastor Andreas. And I remember saying to them, please don't tell me then, because why would you want to tell me something that you don't want to tell Pastor Andreas? You don't want me to tell him because you know what he's going to say, don't you? And yes, that's the truth, because he was, stand he was a standard. He set a standard, and this person wasn't, wasn't keen on that standard. So let me move on. Jesus Christ is the standard for you and I. It's what it's, it's the, he's the mark that you and I measure ourselves up against. But Jesus is not just a behavioral standard. This is not a physical, natural standard that we're talking about here. This is a spiritual standard. The spirit, like a flood, the spirit of God comes in and raises up the standard. This is a spiritual thing. Natural people deal with natural things. Spiritual people deal in spiritual things. When Jesus came and he walked this earth, they were so focused. His people, the Jews, were so focused on the physical application of the law that they'd forgotten the heart behind it and the spiritual essence behind it. And that's what Jesus came to bring back. He says, you're focusing on the wrong things. The heart change for us to, to raise the standard in our lives is when the standard of Christ is, is put in place within us, the heart of Christ is captured within our heart so that we actually begin to change how we feel and how we think about the world around us. This is not just behavioral change. This is a real change of heart. In John chapter 16, verse 12 to 13, Jesus says to his disciples, there is so much I want to tell you, but you can't bear it now. Why not? I really like that statement. In essence, what Jesus is saying to his disciples is this. It is not fair for me to put the standard upon you yet. Why not? Because there were still natural people living in within their natural abilities. They had not yet been filled with the Holy Spirit. Remember, the transformation we're talking about and the standard we're talking about is a spiritual standard. So Jesus says, I want to tell you a lot of things, but you can't bear them yet. Why? Because it will be too much for you to try and apply and work out in your own lives. And, and sometimes I've seen even in, you know, in counseling people with young believers, too much too soon. Just uh, let me put it to you, give you an example. When I was a young man, I loved Eric Clapton's music. I still enjoy Eric Clapton's music. He had a guitar called Blackie, and he took three different Fender Stratocasters, and he took them apart and put all the best parts together, and he had this guitar called Blackie. And when I was 15, 16, my dream was to have a black U.S. Fender Stratocaster with a maple neck. Well, I think it was 1997 that my dream came true. I walked out of a music shop in London with a black Fender Stratocaster with a maple neck carrying it in my arm. And I brought it. And you, many of you have seen that guitar. But you know what I realized? I started playing the thing and I sounded nothing like Eric Clapton. It was very frustrating. 
you think you buy the guitar surely you spend that money much money on a guitar it should be doing something for you right and sometimes the most disconcerting thing for me to do after i was trying to learn how to play this thing was to watch eric clapton play because he made it look so easy it was just so simple he flowed so naturally he knew exactly where to put his fingers he could bend the strings just right and i tried and i just couldn't and that standard was way beyond my abilities and instead of encouraging me i began to think oh, what's the point what's the point and i think in the scripture when we try to attain a standard of christ likeness in our own flesh in our own abilities by striving through good works we might as well say what's the point because the truth is we can't we can't raise this thing in the natural and with our flesh it is a spiritual transformation it's a spiritual thing that needs to take place within us jesus then goes on to say in verse 13 however when the spirit of truth comes he will guide you into all truth what is truth jesus is the standard he is the truth though i am the way i am the truth i am the life he said the holy spirit will guide us into christ likeness because he will not speak on his own authority but he will tell you what he has heard he will tell you things even about the future so we looked at 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 this at at what a standard is so what does a standard do well first of all a standard stands it stands it doesn't waver it doesn't bend remember we said it's constant and so what it does is it expects something more of me it compels me to change to rise up to that level um, it motivates me it it reveals to me my weaknesses my flaws and in, in just to put it this way it reveals to me where i don't measure up and for you and I as believers, I've seen so often how when we don't measure up our lives or our experiences or our thoughts don't measure up to Christ, we try and somehow make the word of God fit into our circumstances so that we can feel more comfortable. And we change what God's word is actually saying to accommodate us in our discomfort. But instead, that discomfort in us when we see that we don't measure us is a, compel measure up, is a compelling force that draws us deeper into Christ. Because we realize that without him, we're never going to measure up. The best that I have to give to him is as filthy rags. And the other thing that a standard does is it withstands. It keeps on standing. We spoke about the SABS. How do you test the standard or the quality of something? By what it is able to withstand. The test of, of Christ-likeness in our lives is not just, uh, you know, it, it is really revealed. Our Christ-likeness is revealed in what we're able to withstand. The old adage is that people are like tea bags. If you want to know what they're full of, put them in hot water. Put them in difficult situations. Let's see what they can handle, because what's truly inside them is then going to come out. It will diffuse, because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks and things happen. So we spoke about Ephesians 6.13 last week, taking up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. The name of Jesus stands for all eternity as the highest name. And he can withstand all scrutiny and he can withstand all questioning because he is the truth. He is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He is the standard and he stands and he is able to withstand. Now, when that likeness takes place in our hearts, when we are a grow in our likeness of Christ, what happens? We stand out 
and we are able to stand in the midst of opposition. We're able to stand and, and, and raise our flag and nail our colors to the mask so, to, mask, so to speak. But we're also able to withstand a heck of a lot. We're able to withstand a lot of challenge. We're able to withstand in the midst of where we're going through, what we're going through. The peace of God in our hearts enables us to withstand everything we see around us. The grace of God within our hearts enables us. Many of us are not just surviving in this time, but we are thriving in this time. Why? Because there's something and a standard within us that is way above what is going on on the outside. Armor is designed to protect us. In other words, it's to stop things getting to us. And likewise, as we establish the standard of Christ within our lives, it's like putting on spiritual armor that stops the influence of this worldly standard from getting to us because we have put ourselves in another place. We've established another standard in our hearts. I closed out last week saying that Jesus never promised us an easy life. He never promised us a good life. What he promised us was his life. Now, how that is expressed and how that is worked out in each one of our individual situations is going to be unique and different and equally beautiful and powerful because it's the person of Jesus bringing life to our physical bodies, bringing life to our souls, bringing life to our spirit, but not our life or not the life that this world kind of, kind of tries to give us that says you'll be fulfilled if you do that or if you have this. It's the kind of life that, that is from God. It's the God life that is not subject to everything that goes on around us now, but it stands and it withstands. It puts us in a place of strength, as Ron said today, everything you do will begin to prosper because you're not dealing in a worldly system of prosperity. You're dealing in a spiritual dimension where the creator of the world who set everything in place is working in you and through you to produce life in you and through you. And that is the standard that God has come to set for us. Paul, again and again, if we read through the epistles, he prays and he prays for, his, for the disciples that they would just have a revelation of the love of Christ that they would have a revelation of his calling and the inheritance we have in the saints so that we could raise the standard of our experience and our expectation. To, and here's where, here's where he pegs it. Now to him who is able to do abund, exceedingly abundantly above all you can ask or think or even imagine. The standard of Christ, of his life, of his love is way beyond anything our flesh can attain. But it is alive and it is working within us by and through his Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one who brings us into this. So what I want to share with you today are seven practical ways that you and I can raise the standard in our lives, the standard of Christ, the standard of the Spirit. Most of these are going to be common sense to you, but just in hearing them again, you're going to realize the importance of them and the purpose thereof. So the first one, how do we raise the standard of Christ likeness in our lives? Number one, through praise, worship and thanksgiving it is the engaging with god in the giving of praise in the worship of who he is and the thanksgiving or the acknowledgement of who he is and what he has done that begins to put christ in his rightful place you see to 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 raise a standard in our hearts means to exalt and magnify the person of jesus christ what praise and worship helps us do that, and it establishes his lordship in our hearts and in our lives. One of the reasons I love praise and worship, just as the act of singing songs, I, I love that because so many of the songs articulate things that 
bring me back and recenter me um like a car and its wheels its wheel alignment sometimes your wheels get out and it takes more force to put them back and praise and worship and acknowledging god puts us back in the right place and when i say praise and worship i'm not just talking about singing songs what i mean is really heart to heart acknowledging god engaging with him in an intimate way acknowledging lordship and working that out through with him it's about practicing the presence of god so what praise does is it acknowledges the greatness of god it acknowledges who he is it acknowledges the standard what worship does it's an adoring heart that is open and welcomes that standard in it's an opening of the heart to him revelation 4 verse 11 in the passion translation says you are worthy O lord and god to receive glory honor and power or praise for you created all things and by your plan they were all created and exist what praise and worship does is it realigns our hearts with the obvious truth of who god is but that we often lose sight of who god is and what christ has truly done for us you know as we go about our day as we go face challenges as we so quickly and easily lose sight of who our god is of the greatness of our god of the standard that he has established forever and he has called us into we lose sight of it because we get caught up and praise and worship helps us to exalt that standard and magnify it, turn our hearts towards it so that we don't get distracted from it we remember who it is who has called us and what it is he has called us into and puts christ in the rightful place in our hearts that's point number that's the one of the ways that we can raise the standard of god in our lives by acknowledging it and submitting to it in reverence and in awe point number two is to speak god's word over our life and situations this is how we begin to raise the standard experientially in our lives you see if we speak what we see and what we feel is going on around us we entrench ourselves where we are i want to say that again if we keep speaking what we see and how we feel we entrench ourselves where we are you know sometimes you just want to i just want to i just want to moan about it. i just want to get it out i just want to complain a little bit i want to just clear get it off my chest well all you're doing is entrenching yourself in how you are feeling but if we speak what god says we begin to raise the standard and to elevate ourselves above how we're feeling and above what we see is going on around us in other words we don't bring god's word down to our level of experience rather we lift our level of experience up to what god's word says through faith through speaking the word through believing it you see if we don't believe what god says about us and about our situation is true folks we've already lost the plot we're already limited to carnal natural means if we have to see it to believe it we're natural this the spiritual force that i've spoken about that god raises is not a natural one and so if we want to engage with this we have to get above and beyond just our natural senses our intimate relationship with god with who he truly is will inspire within us a trust and a faith that says right father god i'm going to believe what you say even if what i see around me doesn't look that way and we begin speaking that into our situation why because words have power the word of god in our hearts and in our mouths is seed for us to sow ron spoke about that this morning it's seed for us to sow by and to grow by let me read to you what isaiah says isaiah 55 
verse 8 to 11 concerning the word of God. God says to him, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. And my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. So here God's establishing the standard. He says, you don't come close. He says, the rain, but then he goes on to say, the rain and snow come down from the heavens and stay on the ground to water it. They cause the grain to grow, producing seed for the farmer and bread for the hungry. It is the same with my word. I send it out and it always produces fruit. Always produces fruit. Always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to, and it will prosper everywhere I send it. That is how much confidence and trust God has in his word. He knows that when he speaks, things happen, things change. There he puts the standard forth. It's like a flood. Something's got to give. And the words of God, as we understand, have power to bring change. But they also we need to understand that, that that power to bring forth change can happen and take place through us, through our mouths. When we begin to speak the word of God into our situations, when we begin to raise up a standard and say, I'm not going to accept that. I'm not going to tolerate that standard or that situation because it is not according to the standard of Christ, the standard of my God and my Lord. So I'm going to speak to that and I'm going to speak this standard into that situation because that situation needs to change because this one will not. This standard cannot change. It will never change. It's the same yesterday, today and forevermore. So what's got to give? That's got to give. Now, which way is it going to give? I get to decide that. Proverbs 18, 21 in the message says, words kill and words give life. They're either poison or they're fruit. You choose. You choose. So I get to change the standard of my experience of life to line it up with the person of Christ and the truth of his word in my situation. By first of all, I have to, that word has to become real to me. This is not just, you know, name it and claim it kind of stuff. As I am intimate with God over his word, he will speak to me things and breathe things into my heart concerning situations that I am facing. And he will put a word in my mouth to speak into that situation. I'm not talking airy fairy stuff. I'm not talking just blindly quoting a scripture that hasn't become real to you. But as you sit, if there's a situation in your life that you know is not measuring up to Christ, maybe you're struggling with an addiction. Maybe there's a sin in your life. Maybe there's a circumstance within your family that you know this is not this is not God. This is not good. This is not right. As you talk to God about it, as you pray in the spirit with him, he will give you the word to speak into that situation. It's a unique word for you, for your level of faith, for your situation. And it's unique for him, for you to usher in the standard of his word into your situation. So that's very powerful stuff. Number three, we've spoken about talking about the word and speaking the word of God into the situation. Number four, sorry, number three, we also need to act on the word of God. I really like the way James chapter two in the message, um, Eugene Peterson says it this way, James two verses, verse 14 and verse 17 says this, dear friends, do you think you'll get anywhere in this if you learn all the right words, but never do anything? Does merely talking about faith indicate that a person really has it? Isn't it obvious that God talk without God acts is outrageous nonsense? Basically, they, what this verse is, is you've got to put your money where your mouth is. If you say you believe something and if this is the truth, you need to align your life according to it. 
The way we raise the standard in our lives is not just by thinking on it, not just by speaking it, but we have to align our hearts and our lives accordingly in what we do, in what we say, in how we behave, in how we treat people, in how we allow or do not allow fear or anxiety to take hold in our hearts. We have to do something about that. And if something is not as we say it should be, just not, not just sit back and wait for God to do something, as if we, you know, this fatalistic approach that if God wants to do something, he'll do something. No. Yes, there are many things that God wants to do, but he wants to do them in and through you. That is his chosen method. Like it or not, we have, and why would we not like it? We have the privilege of being co-laborers with Christ in bringing his kingdom to bear in our world. That's incredible. What a privilege. What a high calling. So number three, act on the word as well. Number four. We want to raise the standard of God in our lives. We need to discern the voice of the Holy Spirit and learn how to flow with him. I'm talking about intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit. Learn how to discern his voice and how to flow with him. Jesus said it. The Holy Spirit is the one who will guide us into all truth, who will bring us the revelation that we need to transform us to the standard of Christ-likeness. And we need to learn how to cooperate with him. I love this portion of scripture in 1 Corinthians 2, 12 to 16, because it, it makes the fullness of God available to you and I, but it sets the onus on me to engage with him, to make that a reality in my heart and life. From uh, 1 Corinthians 2 from verse 12 says, we have received not the spirit of this world, but the spirit who is from God that we might know the things which have been freely given to us by God. Isn't that incredible? There are things that have been freely given to us by God, and we have the Spirit of God. He's the only one who's going to lead us into them. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but by which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things to spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. This is spiritual stuff for spiritual people. But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Isn't that incredible? We have the mind of Christ. It has been given to us in and through the Spirit. And if you read that whole portion of scripture, it says that who knows the heart or the mind of a man except the spirit that is within him. We have the spirit of God. And if we want to get the living word of God to come alive in our hearts, become experiential, we need to learn to engage with and to discern the voice of the one who has been sent to lead us into that and to make it come alive, to make us understand it, to give us revelation knowledge. Praying in the spirit, praying in tongues. These are wonderful gifts and blessings that have been given to the body of Christ. How often do we spend time engaging with them? If you had to spend 10 minutes a day praying in the spirit, I'm not talking about hours, 10 minutes. You set yourself 10 minutes to praying in the spirit every single day. See what will happen to your spiritual fortitude and to your strength. See what will happen after a short period of time when you begin reading the word of God. See what's going to happen in your prayer life. We need to engage with the spirit and learn how to discern his voice, because the more we do that, the more the word of God becomes life, not just a Logos word, but Rhema, life, living, powerful, like a two-edged sword, showing us who we truly are, 
comparing our hearts with the standard, but making that standard alive and, and available for us. We become energized in it. So we need to, that's number four. We need to learn how to discern the voice of the Holy Spirit and how to flow with him because he is the only one who can raise the standard of Christ likeness in our lives. Number five, share what you have already received with others. One thing I learned when we were doing the Bible school is that I learned a heck of a lot when I was sitting in the lectures being taught and going through the notes. But I learned 10 times as much when I was giving the lectures. Because when you're giving a point, when you're sharing something, you know, as you prepare your notes, you realize, okay, these are some of the questions that might come at me. And you have to prepare for those questions. And you have to make sure that you actually understand the context of what you're sharing so that you're not talking rubbish. When you begin to share your experience with somebody else, you grow in the process. You are encouraged. You remember your testimony uh, because it's become life and light to you. What has God done in your heart? What has he done in your life? And where have you shared and testified about that? Somebody else's testimony can be the, 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 the catalyst to, to my breakthrough. Your testimony can be the catalyst to somebody else's breakthrough. Here's a really good example. When I know somebody is struggling with anxiety, I have a testimony because there was a time in my life when I, when I was deeply grappling with, with stress and fear and anxiety. And I prayed and prayed to God and he, through his words, spoke something to me that completely transformed me, not my situation, but transformed me in the midst of my situation. And I became, as Ron said this morning, the head and not the tail. I was above and not beneath. I was no longer under the circumstances, but I was now determining the circumstances. How did that happen? God spoke to me. Now, when I, somebody comes to me, I share my testimony with them. This is how God dealt with me. This is what God spoke to me. Last week, Pastor Andrea shared with us his testimony of, um, of the scripture that God spoke to him out of Jude when he was struggling with addiction. And he was worried that he would fall back into sin. Sorry. And he said, God spoke to him through the word that says, now to him who is able to keep you from falling. That was a revelation to him. Now, I remember, folks, many years ago, I don't know the year, but Pastor Andrea shared that with me. When I was struggling with a form of addiction, when I was struggling with a form of, and his testimony became my testimony. And I can give you example after example. Now, not only do we become avenues of encouragement, but when we share, we grow. Our gratitude to God grows. Our praise to God grows. Our effectiveness in being salt and light grows. And when we, probably part of the reason we, we, we don't want to share very often is because we fear that other people will then begin to look at us through different lenses and expect more of us. Praise God, that's called raising the standard, folks. That's called raising the standard. That's called pinning your colors to the mast and saying it like it is. Two more to go. Number six, another way that we raise the standard of Christ likeness in our lives is through submission to God-ordained spiritual oversight. You see, this is about character development. It's about embodying the standard. It's not a bit about behavioral change alone, but it's about changing perhaps some behaviors in order to develop something within our hearts and to change us. And it's, I am so grateful for standards in my life who have set an example for me and have drawn me up to where they are. And this is, these are individuals who help us because they can see things we cannot see. They're further down the journey. Their faith is more mature. 
they they have a good testimony with God already, but they see things in me which I cannot see. The old expression, you can't see the wood for the trees. Why? Because you're just so encamped in the situation you are in, and very often it takes somebody from the outside to speak into your situation. The Apostle Paul said to the church in Corinth in 11 verse 1, 1 Corinthians 11, 1, I want you to pattern your lives after me as I pattern my life after Christ. Now he's saying two things here. He's saying, number one, in the same way that I give myself to pursuing Christ, I want you to give yourself to pursuing Christ. But he's also saying, this is how I do it. Look how I do it, and I will show you how. This is how you do it. His whole letter in 1 Corinthians, let's put it into context. He's saying to the church, you're messing it up the way you're doing it. This is how you should do it. This is how you go. This is how I do it, and this is the way. And he's using his life as an example. Follow me as I follow Christ. And he's being like a spiritual coach. If you think of a sport, any sport that you want to give yourself to, if you want to be professional, if you want to really raise your standard, you submit yourself to a coach. If I was really that interested in playing the guitar that well, I'd have submitted myself to a teacher. But here's what a coach does to a professional sportsman. His job is to point out and to identify the weaknesses in his game and the strengths and to help him overcome his weaknesses and accentuate his strengths. How does he do that? Well, he does that by taking a measure of control. He sets the diet. He sets the workload. He sets the diary. He says, if you want to raise the standard, this is the way it's going to be. Now, that athlete has a choice. He can submit to the process or not. But if he wants to be raise the standard of his sports game, he realizes he cannot do it just on his own. He can't go by how he feels and just listen to his body alone. He needs professional input. And the coach expects a level of obedience and a level of authority in his life because otherwise, don't bother. Uh, he's not interested in the athlete's opinion. He doesn't need his advice. You know, there's a reason a surgeon puts out his patient when he does surgery. It's not for pain. It's because he doesn't want your advice. <laughs> he doesn't want your opinion on how he should be doing his job. I'll just put him out. It's much easier. You see, he understands things that I don't understand when he's working on my body. And likewise, there are things that those, there are those men and women who are placed in our lives. God places them in our lives because they have what we need, even though we can't see it. I Folks, for those of you who've been around for a long time within our spiritual family, you will have seen the test my testimony with Pastor Andreas in this area. In the early years especially, he saw so many things in me that I just could not see. And through relationship and with great love and affection, over time, he worked on them, he would point them out, he would give me the word of God concerning those things and help me to raise the standard of Christ-likeness in my life. I am not a self-made man. I am where I am today, and I am who I am today because of not only Pastor Andreas, but many people like him, who God put there for me to submit to. What does submission mean? There were a lot of times when I didn't agree with Pastor Andreas's counsel. Honest. I didn't agree with it. There were many times I didn't like what he was saying to me. But God said to me, Michael, if you want to grow spiritually, you have to submit to that man. I don't care if you like it. I didn't call you. I put you in. His, I didn't put him in your life so that you could like him. I put him in your life so that I could develop Christ likeness in you. And when you begin to see things from that perspective, you cooperate with the process. Now, over time, my heart and my mind has been changed. And I'm so glad. But I couldn't see the weaknesses and the faults in the beginning. I needed to submit myself to somebody who was more mature than I, who could see further along than I could. 
And whether I liked his advice or not, I recognized that he was sent by God as a messenger for my growth and my blessing. And praise God, I am so grateful for this relationship. The dynamics have changed over the years, but I get great delight every month, every single month when it comes time for me to pay first fruits. Most of the time, my first fruits go to Pastor Andreas and Cristal as an honor, as a remembrance, as a, a testimony and a memorial to the role that they played in my life. If I sit and think about it for more than five minutes, I get all emotional. Hence, we're moving right along. Point number seven, we have to put first things first. Put first things first. This is my last point. Hebrews 12 verses one and two says, therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and sat down at the right hand of God. This verse speaks about putting aside and putting in its other, putting away every distraction, dealing with our sin, dealing with our stuff, so that we can give our hearts looking unto Jesus, set and our focus on him. And it, it, it uses him as an example, like Jesus, who put aside glory to come. And for the joy that was set before him and what he would do, he endured the cross. He endured the pain. He endured the sacrifice because there was something worth going after. And folks, Jesus Christ is worth going after. He is worth all we are and all we have. And the measure of the standard that he is is worth everything that we have. He is worth laying down everything. What good is it, he says, my brethren, to, 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 to gain everything in this world and have everything we want but to lose our souls? What does it profit? What's the point? To raise the standard of Jesus in our hearts and lives, we have to focus on it. That means we have to cut out the distractions. And the way we do that is by putting first things first. What is the most important thing in my life? And if you're honest with yourself, look at how you're spending your time. That will tell you what the most important things in your lives are. Maybe you should rather ask yourself, what should be the most important things in my life? And begin to draw up a list of priorities and set them all in place. And begin to manage and lead and govern the affairs of your life so that they demonstrate properly what is the most important thing in your life. Folks, the standard of Christ-likeness does not take place. This growth in the spirit does not take place without deliberate effort. It doesn't happen by mistake. We don't just fall into it or wake up one day and we have this incredible relationship with God and Christ-likeness has enveloped our heart. It doesn't happen that way. Raising the standard is a choice that we make. It takes a deliberate effort. It takes sacrifice. But there is nothing more worth it in this world. Folks, when God wanted to raise the standard, he sent his son into the world to represent him. Like a flood, he raised the standard against the enemy and changed everything for the future of mankind. And today, God raises the standard in exactly the same way by sending out his sons and his daughters into the world to represent him. That's how this works. That's how this happens. And the only way we can represent him is if we know him, if we become like him. If we catch his heart and have the standard of our lives elevated to match the standard of his life. Folks, 
what I've shared with you this morning, I hope has brought within you a level of encouragement, a level of hunger, a level of desire to realize that there is so much more that Christ has done, and so much more that Christ has made available to us and given to us than perhaps we acknowledge every day and certainly than we live in every day. There is a fullness that he desires for us to enter into. If we will decide to raise that standard and instead of settling where we are, set our eyes on it and pursue it, he will meet us along the way with, with like a flood. His spirit will come. His spirit will flow in us and through us. He will give us the grace that we need. Where do we begin? We've got to make that choice. We've got to decide this is really something worth going after. My faith is not just some peripheral thing, but this is what I'm living my life for. And when we begin to engage with God in that way, we begin to experience the life in the spirit like never before. Let me pray with you over this. Let's bow our heads for a moment. Father God, I am so grateful today, Lord God, for the Holy Spirit that indwells every one of us. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are within me to lead me and guide me into all truth. You are grace beyond my wildest dreams. You enable me to understand and comprehend things that are beyond my mental capacity. You enable me, Lord God, to do things that are beyond my physical abilities. You make Jesus come alive to me, Holy Spirit, and to all every one of us, Lord. And I want to pray, as I've shared the word this morning, Lord, that the breath of your spirit would truly come alive in each one of our hearts. Lord, would you breathe on us fresh desire, fresh hunger for a life that resembles Jesus, for a life that is yielded to him, for a life that is a testimony of everything that he has done. So that, Father, as others look at us, they see a completely different standard. They see a different way of life that is not subject to everything that goes on around them. Not living in fear, not living in lack, but, Lord, that the fullness of your spirit and of your presence engulfs and encapsulates and empowers every part of our lives, spirit, soul, and body. Lord Jesus, we want to be like you. And, Father, there is your desire to. And I pray, Lord, as we set our hearts to this pursuit, that your grace would abound toward us, that you would make your word life and light to us, that it would become living, and that our testimony and our excitement and our passion and our zeal for God and for the things of God would grow, Lord, that others would look at us and see us burning with passion for you, that our very lives would be the testimony, would be the Jesus that so many are crying out for. So I thank you for your grace in this area. I thank you that in this time and season you are breathing over your church. And Lord, I pray, give us sensitivity to, to your voice. Give us ears to hear that we may engage with you on a really deep and personal level and that your, your word and your love will completely change and transform our hearts. I thank you for this today in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. We hope that you've enjoyed this message. For additional resources and more information, come and visit us at alphaomega.org.za.